back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. Yes, the Advent edition. Advent 2022. Coming to a podcast near you. <laughs> Advent episode three, which should have yeah. come out last Tuesday. And I want to apologize to our faithful viewers and listeners because it's just technical difficulties. I was, I was in a place that I did not have good. I did not have the good Wi-Fi. The interwebs were not. Very, very slow. Not very quite slow. dial up, but. Uh, it was it was knocking on the door of dial up. We were recording and Brian's face froze, and I thought, Which, well, I mean, sometimes it just happens. I was talking, yeah, I was talking. I thought, okay, I've really said something bad, which is classic. Or the internet's not working. Right. Well, the internet was. Not and now working. here we are in the same room. We are in the and same Bisto e- Distro East. B- Bisto East, yes. Bisto. As you like to call this place. As I like the, to call The Bisto. The Bisto. The you bistro. Gotta, you got to have price for that sign, the misspelled sign, though. So <laughs> I did. Hey, I'm looking for a Bistro sign that's misspelled. And I had it. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we're back. It's actually spelled. Um, and <laughs> it's B-I-S-T-E-A-U-X. So Bisto. From Louisiana. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We didn't plan this. If you couldn't guess. really, I know it's amazing. Now, what am I supposed to say next? Okay, so. but we did plan the content, yes. and what we're talking about today, we're talking about joy. It's the third joy. week of Advent, so we're talking about joy. I got a taste. Sunday is what that was last Sunday. Now we're what getting did, further, further wait, away. What did you just got a taste? It's the it's the from the Latin when they would do the third Sunday of Advent. That's how they would start with it means rejoice in Latin. Got a taste. How did I not know that? I don't know. Yeah, is I, that a common thing? Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> anyway, so today it's joy. <laughs> today is joy, yeah. and we're talking about the joy of the season. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and that was my question for you, kind of leading into this. What do you when you think about symbols of joy? And we talk about joy a lot in the season, right? We mm-hmm. say you can see joy, and you know what? What kind of images do you think of, or what kind of symbols of joy? The symbols of joy. I always think of like people decorating outside, like oh, they're sure. trying to take. We're in the Midwest, right? Things are. Dead, very dead, <laughs> very dark, very dark, yeah. and so they're putting lights up sure. and you know decorating, trying to uh, bring some life to something yeah. that might be dead. Christmas uh, caroling. Did you, did you come from a place where people went out and Christmas yes, caroled? Yes, so. I remember doing that. It was yeah. cold. Yeah, and now, that, and singing in front of someone's house. I didn't yeah, know. Now your HOA here would not allow that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> we get a strongly worded letter. Um, so yeah, so you know, singing songs. I mean, classic right. joy to the world. Yeah, the Lord's come. Uh, I'd say like ribbons and red. Yeah. You know, just the, things the, that I, I would say they're trying to judge, judge <laughs> the environment, joy the environment. The uh, you know that, and it is. It's it's a joyful season. Uh, I think little kids like you know commercials always have these little kids all kind of excited about mm-hmm. you know the coming of Christmas and and those kind of things. So you know, and here's the only thing I'll say is when we think about joy in that in that way, it's kind of an external. Um, expression of happiness that kind of mm. thing which is not a bad thing i mean i'm i'm all for that but i think biblically when we begin to look at joy and, I, and i'll tell you joy is all over the christmas story especially the advent 
part of it, you know, leading up to the birth of Jesus, you see joy a lot, and it doesn't necessarily correlate with everything being externally great, you know, everything mm. being the way that it should be. In fact, that's part of the whole whole Christmas story, right, is you've got, here's Mary and Joseph, they have to travel down because the Roman Empire has called the census, and you've got no room for them in the place, you know, where everybody else is staying, and so they end up staying where they keep the animals, and, you know, there's it, it's just that kind of a, there, there's that kind of a, a sense to it, so. So I thought today, we're going to get to Isaiah, because that's kind of, we've been looking at those Isaiah, Isaiah passages to talk about Advent this year, but I thought we'd start with the Christmas story, or kind of leading up to the Christmas story. So I have a couple passages from Luke 1 that I've asked you to get ready. Yeah. And uh, both of them, well, let me kind of give you the background for the one. The ba- one first background is that Zechariah, uh, not Zechariah from the Old Testament, but this guy named Zechariah, and he has a wife named Elizabeth. Uh, he's a priest, and they're older, and they've never had children. And in that culture, in that context, to, to be barren was... She even used the word. She uses disgrace, right? It, it it was a difficult thing. It was not something that people wanted in that period of time. And um, you know, so Zachariah, his turn comes to go to the temple and serve in the temple, which would not happen that often. There were lots of priests, and, and he's actually the one who got to go in and offer incense and pray. Uh, on on behalf of the people of Israel. That was his job. He's offering up the prayers on behalf of Israel. They did it on a daily rotation, daily basis. And, and so I, he seems to slip in one of his prayer, prayer of his own. You know, he's like, hey, Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, he, I'm, was, <laughs> he was there for the people, but well, I'm up here. I might as well. I'm going to slip one in. And, and so that's where we pick up here, verses 1 through, or I'm sorry, 11 through 18 of Luke chapter 1, if you want to read that yeah. for us. And this is the CSB. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn away many he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Okay, and then he goes on and he identifies himself as Gabriel and basically says, this is what's going to come to pass. I I find it interesting, and it kind of reminds me of us a little bit, that Zechariah, I I mean, Gabriel says, we've heard your prayer and you're going to have the son. And he's like, but how do you know? (laughs) But how do you know? You know, have you ever offered a prayer for something you didn't expect to happen? And that's kind of what I think is going on here. He's like, oh. And, and of course, then he struck, you know, he struck um, unable to speak. And uh, I was going to say he struck dumb, but people might misunderstand that. But he, he, he was unable to speak. And, and uh, you know, the, the, and, and so what happens, this is what happens. Elizabeth becomes pregnant in her old age. It, echoes of Old Testament stories, right? Like Abraham and Sarah, again, yeah. God um, involved in the lives of his people in this kind of a way. We'll talk more about that next week. Um, but, but, but a really interesting story here. And then, and you saw the joy and rejoicing, right? He's going to be yeah. a joy and delight for you. And you can understand that children bring joy, right? right. And we're, uh-huh. we're happy. He's happy at the birth, particularly because it's, it's in his old age, but then it says many will rejoice, you know, and, and, and you know, to be honest, 
when John, if you think about John, the, so this is John the Baptist, not to give away the ending of the story or anything, but, <laughs> but John the Baptist, then his preaching is kind of rough. It's kind of like, hey, you repent. of vipers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. what are you doing out right, here? Right. Right. Losers. Here, here comes, you know, here comes, we're kindling a fire and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's pretty rough, but the, the, it's, it's this idea that God, the many are going to rejoice because he's turning people back. He's, it's a sign of repentance. He's turning mm-hmm. the hearts of the fathers back to their children. He's bringing people to repentance. And, and so here's where, not to give it away yet, but I'll go ahead and say that joy it isn't necessarily always this happiness. And if you think about John the Baptist's ministry, not an easy ministry. If you think about John the Baptist's end, not an easy end, right? And joy, though, is found, I think, in in being in recognizing our place within God's plan is 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 the big part of what's going on here. So then we have Elizabeth and and Mary, who is you know Mary from Christmas, that Mary. Um, <laughs> I love your description. <laughs> not talking on the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. We're, anyway. Not some other Mary, you know, not, not, you anyway. know. Anyway, so this Mary, um, and uh, she she's a cousin of Elizabeth. She comes to visit her when Elizabeth is about six months along. So she's in her, well, what is that, second trimester? I don't know. But yeah. I guess doing the math, that makes sense. Yes. But, uh, but then Mary comes along, and, and listen for this. This is later in chapter 1 of Luke, Luke 1, 39 through 44. So go ahead and read this yeah. for us. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. By the Holy Spirit, it's interesting. So so the idea is Elizabeth here is kind of prophesying. Well, not kind of. She's prophesying. And, you know, prophesy a little. You know, a, little, a, little pro, a little prophecy. Uh, yeah. And so... What she says is that John the Baptist response to hearing the voice of Mary as she's carrying Jesus is joy. He leapt for joy within me. And it's interesting it, it to me, lots of interesting things here, but here, here are these two unborn children responding to each other that, that are God's, you know, God's chosen ones for this very specific time in history. That's going to be a turning point, right? The, the, the forerunner and the Messiah are coming finally this in Advent season. Remember we're waiting, we're waiting. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is what we're waiting for. The, the coming of the Messiah. And so here is this these events again, angels everywhere in this story, right? And and you know, I keep thinking about when uh, when John Weatherly was with us, talk, give us some background for Luke, and he says, you know, it's a musical, right? We get all these <laughs> yes, songs. Yes. Mary then turns around and sings a song, you know, right? Uh, and and, and it, it's an interesting story, but it's kind of that joy filled thing. And, and here is an unborn child, interestingly, responding with joy to to this this Messiah. He, his purpose, and he's very clear about this later. I think about John 3, for example, where he says, I'm not the Messiah. I was sent to go before and to prepare the way, right? I'm not the Messiah, but he is the one. Um, I must become less, in fact, is the famous line there from John, and as he becomes greater. And, and so it's his, his joy, I think, is found in being the one who God has chosen for this particular task. Um, the scriptures talk about Jesus. Uh, I'm thinking about Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, for the joy set before him, 
Jesus endured the cross. Hmm. Okay, now think about that. And, and here's my point. When you start looking at joy in the Bible, a lot of times it's side by side with hardship. Hmm. Okay, right. but, but Jesus was fulfilling the purpose for which God had called him. Um, and so Elizabeth has joy. Mary has joy as she recognizes her place. Kind of interesting. They're they're both kind of on opposite ends of unexpected pregnancies, right? You got the mm-hmm. pregnancy of a woman who's who's in her old age. You have the pregnancy of a of a virgin, and, and you know, and both of them are you know it's unexpected pregnancies, and yet there's this response of these unborn children because God's plan is coming to coming to fruition. So. I guess what I'm saying here, and again, we're going to get into Isaiah here in a minute, but this joy that we have in the season is really recognizing that God's plan is is coming to place, and I think taking our place within His plan, mm. uh, accepting our place within His plan, uh, and, and that joy comes, I think, sometimes despite difficult things. I'd never really thought about it until this year when I was kind of comparing these stories of Mary and Elizabeth and thinking about them a little bit. Like I said, it's kind of they're kind of from unexpected areas, but you know, interestingly, so so they're both excited about these babies that are born, and that that's an exciting thing. And yet, I remember Simeon at the at the temple. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he said to to Mary? I mean, he said lots of stuff, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, in particular. The I I remember vaguely. Okay, Fill well, me. He, I'm thinking about the line. You know, and again, don't don't invite Simeon to your Christmas party because he's just going to be a downer. You know, because that's what prophets do—they tell the truth. He says to Mary, "You know, this—he's going to be—you know—this uh, great one. He's going to—he's going to save his people, Israel. But a sword is going to pierce your soul." That's what he uh, says yes. to Mary, mm-hmm. and and that idea. Both Mary and Elizabeth lose their ch- their sons. Mm-hmm. You know, violently and tragically at a young age. Right. And yet, I think so. That does that take away the joy? I, I think the joy is that they're still fulfilling the purpose, and they recognize they're placing their trust in God's plan. And even I guess here's here's maybe the you know I wasn't planning on saying this, but the message I think for Christmas is even if we're in a position we don't feel that giddiness, we maybe feel left out. You know mm-hmm. the, the the Christmas commercials aren't aren't tugging at our heartstrings this this year, or you know things are just not working out the way that we want them to work out. The, the good news in the midst of that, I think, is that we can have joy in recognizing that God's plan is being fulfilled and that we have a place within that plan. Um, there's still a, a deep-seated sense of purpose and satisfaction that can come from that. Uh, and I think that's the difference is, is the other kind of joy, you know, it, it may not last that long, but this sense of being in, in the place that God has us for the purpose for which God has us, I think, can can sustain us. That's the kind of joy that can sustain us. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. Either do we blend too much of happiness and joy together? You know, like, is happiness more of a transient, you mm-hmm. know, like, I'm happy now, Yeah, but joy is something that transcends circumstance. I, I think so, and... and Here's what I'll say. I'm not. I'm not trying to take away from those other expressions of joy. I mean, sometimes joy wells up within us, and we sing and we laugh, and you right. know, joy can be felt in in being with with ones we love in, in this season, and taking a, a step back from our normal workday lives. And you know, I think mm-hmm. there's joy to be found in that. But I guess what I'm saying is, having a sense of satisfaction within God's plan that I would call joy is not dependent upon that. Mm. And sometimes it can even happen 
when there is heartache, you know, that like, you know, Simeon saying to Mary, a sore is going to pierce your soul. Well, you know, she's still saying the Magnificat, right? She still said, um, you know, you have considered the humble state of your servant and and you are, you know, lifting up the humble and you're you're taking down the oppressor, you know. Uh, she recognizes that her son is going to have that role. Um, and I think even, you know, again, even when it comes to, to the crucifixion, um, you know, again, Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross because he recognized it's a necessary part of God's plan. It's not like he was going, oh, yeah. You know, cross time. You know, it's, it's not like that. Uh, it, it is. It is a. a, a how do I say this? It is a submitting oneself to the purpose of God in the midst of this, and not, you know, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, is is I think the the image we have. So let's get to Isaiah. I know I've been talking. I've been I've been sermonizing a bit too much. That's good. So Isaiah thirty five. Just read the first two verses here. And here's what I'll say is we find an expression of joy. It's interesting here what Isaiah uses. Again, future, he's, it's Advent. He's thinking about what is going to happen down down the pike, and down the road. And, and he uses these metaphors of the natural world to express this image of joy. So, so mm-hmm. read that for us. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. So you see some repeated words here. So there's the rejoicing. The wilderness is going to rejoice. It's going to it's going to shout for joy. It's going to sing for joy. So we have that that repeated joy. Mm-hmm. We have the blossoming, right? And And it's the idea that the desert is going to blossom. Uh, we're going to see this repeated late, a little bit later on in this chapter, but um, what is not expected, you know, the dryness, and there again is what I'm saying, this idea of joy in the midst of sadness, this dryness or this, this um, uh, well, like, like Elizabeth, she's not expected to bear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here she has a child. Sarah, it's the same thing. You might remember she laughs when she says, right. she said, am I, am I going to have this? And she uses the word there in the Hebrew. Am I going to use this? Am I going to have this joy that in my old age, I'm going to have this child? Of course, the poor kid gets named laughter, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Isaac, but, yeah. but that's, um, you know, that's, that kind of idea, the the unexpected place is going to flourish, and that's what that's God's. And, and here it is, God's glory. God's glory is going to be seen. His splendor is the word, and that's what's going to accomplish this. So the desert here is talking about. You've you've traveled in Israel, so you know down the Negev, the south, near the Dead Sea. It's <laughs> well, the Dead Sea is dead. Yes. It changes, right? The the terrain changes. You mm-hmm. go from this lush, and you go down, um, literally down location. Uh, you know uh, what am I saying? In the valley, yeah, but I'm elevation, elevation. That's the Hello. word I'm looking for. <laughs> Sometimes forget words, uh, but but that's why I can't have you along. But no, no, it's, no, it's for not. other reasons. Yeah, yeah. But as you go down, it gets hotter, it gets drier, you're more mm-hmm. arid. Um, and and he uses some comparison. He says the glory of Lebanon will be given to the south. So Lebanon is where the that's where all the cedars of Lebanon, right? All these big cedar trees grew, very lush mm-hmm. landscape. Uh, Carmel, uh, it, it's a mountain that's known for its lushness. Sharon, Sharon is a place that's known for flowers, and so all this stuff 
you know, this lushness is going to be given to the desert and it's going to receive this glory in an unexpected kind of way. And that's, it's because of the glory of God. Um, so the desert can be made like the most beautiful, fertile parts of the land. Uh, and that's what that newness is kind of what we see. That's the story of Christmas, right? This, this, um, you know, barrenness being made bountiful or blossoming. And, and that's, I think what it says for us, uh, I was thinking, you know, when John says in John chapter one, verse 14, um, it ta- it's God's glory that brings this newness, this new life. And, and that's what he says when he, he, he talks about, of course, John doesn't talk about the birth story in the way that we think about in the peanuts kind of way, like Luke chapter two, um, Charlie Brown. You yes. know? Um, but he, he talks about the incarnation that, that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And, and then in one fourteen, you know, the word took on flesh is, is what he says. One fourteen says, we beheld his glory, right? Glories of the only begotten, um, in the father's side. And so that glory that you see in Jesus is what brings this this flourishing, I suppose I would say. Uh, ver- next two verses, if you read verses three and four, again, back in Isaiah 35, uh, this is also, not only is the desert going to be transformed, but God's people are going to be transformed. So again, Isaiah is writing to these people who are kind of concerned they're no longer in this powerful nation. They're now surrounded by these other superpowers. So listen to what it says there. Uh, Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaking knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. So no longer do they have to be afraid, but they instead will be transformed to be courageous people. Uh, there'll be people who are able to to stand up and, and, and to do what's right. We're going to talk about rightness here in just a minute. Uh, they're going to have the courage and strength to accomplish God's purpose. So again, think about it. The joy comes from... Uh, being within God's plan and and being called according to His purpose, and here's the part where it talks about that joy is that we'll be given that strength and courage that's necessary to accomplish this purpose. That 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 newness is going to come because God's glory is going to be in us, and everything's going to be made right. And this sounds a lot like Jesus' ministry. I'll go ahead and read this. This is verses five through seven. Uh, then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. You see that mm-hmm. those expressions of joy again uh, from those who have who have not been able to speak or and, and of course it literally happens with Zechariah, right? When John's born, then he's able to speak. Um, yeah, those who can't see, those who can't hear, they're going to have these expressions. And then it, it goes back to the natural world. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In fact, that's a famous line you see other places in the prophets uh so in desert places is going to be this luxury mm-hmm. uh, the burning sand will become a pool the thirsty ground bumbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay grass and reeds and papyrus will grow uh, so that's the idea that things are going to be made right that uh, when messiah comes then you know these diseases and these infirmities are going to be taken away and then a way is going to be provided which we've talked about this before i think i can't remember what episode we were in but the uh, you remember the idea of the highway from egypt to assyria and and everybody's going to be coming up streaming uh, oh, up yes. to mount zion yes uh-huh. uh so that's the kind of an idea here uh go ahead and read the end end of this Eight through ten of chapter yeah. thirty-five. A road will be there and a way. It will be called the holy way. 
The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander on it. There will be no lion there, and no vicious beast will go up on it. They will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk on it. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. So a couple of things I'll mention here. You know, Jesus talks about this narrow road, right? And this is kind of the way we can think about this path. It's a way to get to the mountain of the God, uh, mountain, mountain of the Lord, I should say, this this mountain where God lives, uh, to have intimacy, to have relationship with him. The early believers called themselves followers of the way, right? And right. Here's yeah, that yeah. idea. Here's that idea of the way to God uh, in, in Jesus now. Uh, again, just to quote the Hebrew writer, the way opened up through his flesh, you know, through his sacrifice on the cross. So... So that idea that that this will be a way for the redeemed to walk and all, you know, no fool, we're not going to be having any fools on our highway, right? It's only going to be for the redeemed. That's where the redeemed are going to walk, uh, and so that that transformation that takes place in God's people, then that becomes a way for them to to be drawn near to God. And you see the joy; they're going to come in with everlasting joy. They're going to be singing. Uh, it, it probably kind of mirrors what happened when the people would go up to Jerusalem for the feast, right? Um, they'd have these songs that they would sing together, and it would be a joyful time. And uh, and that's the way he's imagining, and and, and is is true about the the age to come when when the Messiah comes. It's going to be this time of joy, uh, and that's what we're talking about. So, joy, uh, just to kind of uh, end my part, and then we can talk about it some more if you want. I think it's characterized by transformation. It's it's characterized by change. We'll talk about that more next week, maybe, but. Um, you know the the deserts aren't going to be the way that they were previously. Um, the deserts are going to be transformed into lush, blossoming, you know, places, and the people aren't going to be the weak. <laughs> weak need is literally you know kind of the their knees are knocking together and all those kind of thing. But they're going to be transformed to truly be people who are able to carry out God's God's plan and God's purpose, um, and, and then. You know, the joy comes when God's purpose and mission is is fulfilled. When, when we see that that taking place. So yeah, I mean, are, are, so would you say like joy then? How we how you talked about it at the beginning, like sometimes comes in a time of not greatness. I think so. I like think. even the transformation. So should we tie that that joy comes the transformation is that the, the bad that is happening there yeah. will be transformed. Yeah, let me give you a couple of examples. So, so bad will be transformed, yes, or we will be transformed to be able to to transcend it. Yeah, right. it will be used for God's purpose. So, so that's the thing. Both with John the Baptist and Jesus, their deaths were not in vain. Mm-hmm. And is that that's the joy? That the I deaths think were so. Not in vain. I think so. They they accomplished the purpose of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I'm going to give you a couple of joy passages. Just since you're asked, I wasn't planning on doing this, but uh, James says, um, consider it. Pure joy, brothers and sisters, when what? When you face trials of many kinds, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, joy in trials? What what can that mean? But but basically what he's saying there is that the trials that you're undergoing show that you're you're in God's purpose, right? You're in mm-hmm. God's plan. It's not always the easy way. Um and, and so I think I think that's what it what it comes down to that the joy is staying the course in the midst of this with with the expectation that mm-hmm. things will be vindicated because that's what's it's things are going to be vindicated right and there's going to be just mm-hmm. just things are going to be just 
righteousness is going to come, the way of righteousness, you know, no longer any fools on the road. Uh, imagine that, no fools on the road. Yeah. It's hard hard at Christmas time. Well, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, you've defined it this way, and it, I'm, I'm trying to think about sure. this. Like, you know, so yeah. how do we inhabit, you know, the joy that we have in yeah. Christ? Like, how, what is that? What does that look like in our lives? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I'm just I'm just trying no, to process good. that. You know, where it's this transformation, and it's yeah. Um, you know, it's like, well, can I have joy without suffering? Um, well, I mean, I think you can, but it it I would say suffering often often accompanies it, just because we still inhabit, as we often talk about, a, a broken world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the question. When we talk about Revelation, this is the question that they were having for John. Now, wait a minute. If all this stuff you said about Jesus' victory is on the cross is true, and you've been preaching that, John, over and over again, if that's true, why why is all this stuff happening to us? You know, and that's where we get all of these these explanations that that yeah, the victory's been won, but we're still in the in the midst of of this um, you know fi- the final battle, so to speak. So, so how should we think about joy in this season? Like, I think should... I think joy in the seat. Well, I think it's appreciating the place that God has for us, taking our part in God's plan, right? Mm-hmm. Recognizing those who've come before us, like Elizabeth and like Mary and like John the Baptist and like Jesus, who who humbly submitted themselves to God's plan. And that's the amazing thing about Mary in this season, right? She says, you know. If this is what you want from your servant, then then this is this is where I am. You know, um, it, it's it's taking our part within this within this story, uh, inhabiting the, the the Christmas story, if you will, and recognizing that both what John the Baptist and ultimately what Jesus did allows us uh, to be in this in this place. The promise of, like you said, transformation. Um, becoming truly God's people, working for the flourishing of even the desert places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we do. We so joy comes, I think, when we see the advancement. If we want to say the kingdom of God, if if we want to see the advancement of God's work and and the story of Jesus being promoted and 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 told further, that's where joy is. It, you know, your toys are going to break. Right. I mean, and and uh, I I said this not to repeat this. It was in in the sermon Sunday. I said, you know, Christmas divinity fudge tastes good for a moment, but you can't make a steady diet of it. (laughs) You can't be sustained on that. You need some some meat and potatoes. Right. You need Mm -hmm. something that's going to give you more nourishment. And that's kind of, I guess, the way I would look at at this deeper sense of satisfaction in being in the place that God has us and and with the strength and courage that God has given us. That's where I think that's that's the kind of long term joy that can sustain us hmm. as as opposed to uh you know, I'm thinking about we were talking about Christmas movies, Buddy the Elf. Oh yeah. In uh Elf Elf. Right, the name of the movie. Um you know he's he's eating sugar all the time right cuz it's spaghetti with sugar and it's, syrup it's, and it's christmas right yeah. and that's that's what you eat at christmas but 
man, you feel like crud the next day. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you look, you step on the scale and you're like, holy cow, you know, literally. My body did not respond positively to this. <laughs> but, but it does, it gives you quick energy, right? And it gives you that kind of uh, buzz, uh, sugar can, right? But, yeah. but you can't live on it. And, and that's, I guess that's what I'm saying is the difference between, I, I, I'm not trying to be a Scrooge. Right? It's not just the joy to see, but like. Yeah. And th- those, like I said, those expressions are great when they happen. Right. But what really sustains us is knowing that we're within the place that God has us. And, and we're, we take, like Mary, Mary is our example in this. We, we humbly take our place within God's plan, whatever that is for mm-hmm. us, even if it means a sword sometimes will pierce our soul. Right. right. So even if Christmas doesn't, even this, if this yeah. season doesn't look like what you'd hoped it would look like. Right. You know, but there can still be joy. Yeah, I think that's right. It, it, I mean, if if the desert can blossom, then you know that that's that's the idea. If there's streams in the desert, that's you know that's what we're looking for. That's what we we trust in. That's the advent. You know, I always say advent is both God's people in the Old Testament looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and it's God's New Testament people looking forward His to the return. return. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we trust and, and we know that we do what we can within the plan and the purpose and the, the, the strength and the courage that he's given us to promote the kingdom of God here. And we look forward to the time when all will be made right. Yeah. Well, it's a great message for us. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was good. <laughs> well, y- 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 again, you know, I, as we kind of go through Advent, and we've talked about this, like Ad, yeah. you said this before, Advent starts in the dark. Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just like the Old Testament, people in the Old Testament are living in a dark yeah. time. They're waiting for this Messiah. Yeah. And that Advent is not just about celebration of Jesus' birth right there, right. but that we are a people living, that we have the Holy Spirit, but living in darkness, waiting for the return of, of Christ again. We still live in a broken world. And 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 here's the, here's our challenge in a way. We, you know, the Paul would say how blessed we are in this age because we've seen we've seen him. You know, we we know mm-hmm. this part of the story, but I think I think our challenge is not to allow the darkness to overcome us, um, in, in the sense that we we still see that, like I said, the people that Book of Revelation is written for, um, we we become impatient. How long, O Lord? <laughs> so you're right. going to deal to with all this stuff? Avenge our blood and and. We're, you know, we can, I think our temptation is to get bogged down in the brokenness of the world. And I've, I've seen friends and uh, fellow uh, ministers in the past few years that have really gotten bogged down in all that. And I think when we do that, we forget that the victory has been won. Mm-hmm. And and that, that I think again the joy comes in recognizing our part within that within that plan. Sometimes we want that giddy feeling, right? We just wish that it felt like a happy season and and, mm-hmm. and everything was right. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a there's a possibility for us to still hold within us that depth of recognizing God's plan and purpose, even when you know the tinsel isn't. Is right. it tinseling or whatever tinsel does, uh, not shining as brightly? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. Yep, we we should be. You know, the the ideas of Advent are year round. 
you know? I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a reminder. And just like Easter, it's a time of when we remember a certain part of the story that's that's central to who we are. And, and we would say central to the world, central to the way that the, the, the universe is structured. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Brian. Yeah. We'll be back Tuesday. We will be yeah. here on Tuesday. Yeah. The, we're uh, we're going to have And that. it'll be our last episode for Ever. this. No. No. <laughs> Nope. Don't we get that rumor started? No. no. Yeah. We're going to take some time off. Yeah, we're yeah. going to take some time off for the season. Uh, you know, you can spend with your families and worshiping our Lord in the new yes. year. And we'll be back in, in mid-January. But we have one more episode as we wrap up Advent yep. season here. Uh, and we hope you'll join us for that. Yeah. See you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.